Hey, this is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of uh, Life Change Church. I want to thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I'd like to ask that uh, you would listen to Revelation chapter 1, which reminds us that there's a wonderful blessing that comes to those who read and study the Word of God and take it into your heart. So just as you listen to these podcasts, uh, just try to open your heart and receive the Word of the Lord. We believe it'll change and transform your life. Again, thanks so much for uh, checking these out. I pray you'll be greatly blessed by them. Thank you. God bless. Praise the Lord. I do want to, I know Joy did, but I do want to just take a moment and let's just pray against this uh, virus again uh, this morning and just uh, call out uh, on the Lord uh, for uh, His help. Uh, this continues to stir up fear, uh, which is not good, uh, and continues to bring separation, uh, which uh, is not good. So let's take a moment, uh, let's pray together, and let's come against this uh, in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we come to you uh, in our time of need, and we pray against this COVID-19 virus in the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray that you would come and that you would rage against it in Jesus' name and that you would put an end to it, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would destroy it, and that it would be gone, that you'd so wipe it out, that though we looked for it, we couldn't even find it. This enemy that has come against us, that is causing so much fear and so much isolation, we pray, Lord, that you'd destroy it, and that you would remove fear, and that you'd bring your people back together, and we pray in the mighty name of of Jesus. And Lord, in all of this, we pray that man would not be glorified, but that you would be exalted and lifted up, that you would receive all the glory, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, we are uh, going to continue this morning our conversation about the times. And uh, we Seems like, some of you said, you know, seems like it's been a little while. This is actually our sixth week on it, so only, uh, only five weeks. Um, so really not that long, not, not too uh, very uh, long. Uh, uh, maybe we should go, you know, seven weeks just in honor of the number uh, seven. Or maybe we should go 14 just because it takes about that long to cover uh, everything. Now, I don't know. Anyway... Uh, we, have, we have done five weeks of this, and we're pretty good ways uh, into it. Uh, so, if, so if you have uh, missed any of that, or if you online have missed any of that, uh, you can go uh, to, our, to our Life Change Facebook page and watch uh, any of that that you would like to, uh, or you can go to our uh, Life Change website and find it there and watch it there as well, and that'll help to catch you up uh, to where uh, we are uh, right now, or maybe you just need a refresher because we've just covered you know, lots of stuff. Uh, and it would be a wonderful, refreshing thing uh, for you. Let me just also say this, that, you know, around here, uh, I often talk about us making life-changing uh, choices. Uh, let me say this, too. This is not yet my sermon time, okay? I'm just doing some promotional stuff, so, so don't start the clock on me just yet, right? 
We, we talk about making life-changing choices, and one of those choices that I encourage you to make uh, that, is, that is so uh, life-changing, it's 3W life-changing. What I mean by that is it's a win for you, it's a win for others, and it's a win for the glory of God. That's the easy way to determine your choices, if you should make a choice or not. Is it a 3W choice? Is it a win for you? Is it a win for others? Is it a win for the glory of God? If it's, if, it's a, if it's a 2W and then an L, it's a win for you, a win for others, well, it's probably not an L then, probably not a loss for the glory of God. But anyway, you, you get what I'm saying. It is one of those life-changing choices is to invite uh, people to come to church. And I know that this is a, a difficult time uh, to, for that to happen, uh, but there is something cool uh, that we can do. And if the Lord stirs you to invite someone, you know, go ahead and invite them uh, to come. But there is something really cool that we can do that I think is a life-changing choice. I think, it, I think it could be a 3W choice, a win for you, a win for others, and a win for the glory of God. And that is to watch the service on Sunday or on Wednesday and to like it, comment on it, and share it. Just like it, comment, and share and if you do that, that's going to cause that, if I understand things right, to get in front of more people. And like Joyce said, we're all the time inviting people to Christ, proclaiming Jesus' name. And so make just a simple, easy, life-changing choice that is actually easier than inviting someone to church and decide to like, decide to comment, and decide to share. And I think that'll be a 3W. I think it'll be a win for you, a win for others, and a win for the glory of God. I think it'll be a win for you because if you're going to share something or like it, you probably want to watch it. And I feel like if you watch it, every investment that we make into the Word of God is a good investment. Every investment of time spent in the Word of God is a good investment. Every investment of time that you take and you invest in the Word of God was not wasted time. That was a good investment. That was a good use of your time. So let's do that if we can for our Sunday services and our Wednesday services so you guys got the opportunity today to make it happen. I don't know, we should come up with like a record number of shares and then see if we could break that record like every Sunday. Let me take a coffee break. I hope you all are in a good mood uh, this morning. Uh, praise the Lord. I uh, certainly am. I am so thankful to uh, be uh, with you. I am thankful for the sweet presence of the Lord in this place. I pray that you are experiencing the same thing if you are watching at home, wherever you may be, this sweet presence of the Lord here. If you're scratching your head wondering what I'm talking about here, then you just need to get a little more in tune with the Holy Spirit because He is here with us this morning. Praise the Lord. Well, we have, as I said, gotten pretty far into this conversation, and I want to 
uh, get to chapter 13 in the book of Revelation uh, this morning because this is such a helpful, uh, helpful uh, chapter. Uh, as, as we've begun this conversation, I've had questions and comments and discussions uh, from it, and all of them have been uh, wonderful. Now, I think this chapter right here really uh, helps to bring a lot of clarity to everything else and really helps to answer some of the questions uh, that uh, that you uh, may uh, have. Uh, not only have I have I wanted to answer some of these questions, but but as we as we look at the times, you know what what is and what was and what is to come. Remember, we are able to do this with with clarity and confidence because we are learning from the one who is, uh, who was, and who is to come. And I think that this is so uh, very important, and I've said this, but I want to say it again because I want, you to, I want you to value this time, and I want you to see how relevant this time is. I think that this is very important for many reasons, but let me just highlight two of them. One of them is that as we look at the times with God the three-in-one as our teacher, and, and the Word of God, if you will, as our textbook, what happens is our faith is strengthened. Our confidence and our assurance just becomes more confident and more assured. We, we grow in courage. This is what is happening for me. I, as I have said, am more confident than ever. I didn't even know that could be possible, but I believe that I am, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that He alone is salvation, but in Him there is salvation, abundant life, and eternal life. As we look at this, and as we look into the book of Revelation, what happens is that assurance, that confidence, that faith just stirs, flourishes, grows, becomes stronger. And when that happens... When, when, like when faith arises, fear and worry and anxiety and doubt, they begin to diminish. Those word of God chokers, killers, destroyers in your life begin to be, be choked out and killed and destroyed by our faith and our courage and our confidence and our assurance that are flourishing and growing up in their place so that then the word of God planted in your heart can flourish and grow and it's the word of God that will save you and bring forth fruit in your life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Maybe this is why the book of Revelation begins with, if you'll read this and hear it and open your heart and take it in, then there will be a blessing that comes to your life because of it. Second, secondly, this is so important because as we study these scriptures, and this happens really with all scripture, but, but man, it's so clear in some of these scriptures, I, I think, if you, if you really search, you will find relevant life-giving, needed truth, not only for the time that is to come, but for us right here and right now that I'm telling you, we desperately need. We need the truths that we will discover here uh, in Scripture. So as we come back into uh, Revelation uh, chapter uh, 13, such an important uh, chapter. I just wanted to uh, remind you uh, of something that has happened in Revelation chapter 6. 
uh, verses 16 and 17. Well, what has happened here is there already have been uh, a lot of trouble that has come uh, on uh, the earth. And the people, the nations, uh, the languages from everywhere, they recognize that this is this tribulation period of time that they have heard about, uh, that everyone has uh, talked about. Let's pull that up. Revelation 6. 16 through 17, this, this is, this is the, the people of the world here. They called to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, which we, which we recognize the one who's on the throne and the Lamb from Revelation 4 and 5, that this is God the Father and the Lamb, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? So we have a, a, in the tribulation period of time, this seven-year period of time, which we'll get some more numbers and timing on uh, this morning. We learned that it's a seven-year period of time uh, from uh, Daniel chapter 9, if you remember that, this This period of time is now taking place and the world is recognizing it and recognizing that this is God and that this is the Lamb. Now right here there's not like any call for repentance or forgiveness. There's not this running to the Lord for salvation. What are they calling out to? They're calling to the mountains and the rocks for help, looking for a hiding place from from that. So there's there's not like a, a recognizing that's leading to repentance here but there is a recognizing that things have shifted and changed and that God is moving and that the day of wrath has come. Now, I think that uh, kind of helps us, uh, sets us up for, uh, for uh, moving into uh, Revelation uh, chapter 13. And we finished out the, the, you know, this incredible chapter of, uh, of chapter uh, 12. And, uh, and as uh, that ends... Uh, there in chapter 12, we were introduced to this dragon, which we know from chapter 12 uh, is, uh, is the devil, uh, Satan, that deceptive uh, serpent who leads the whole world uh, astray. Verse 1 of chapter 13, uh, John, John looks and it says, And I saw a beast uh, coming up out of the sea. Uh, he had ten horns and seven heads. And ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. And so he sees a beast. This beast comes up out of the sea. If you remember last Sunday, I I pointed out for us that the sea or the waters here represents the nations. You know, every tribe and tongue land it represents people. Now, the reason we know that that's true is because Revelation tells us that. Uh, in Revelation 17, 15, I wanted to show it to you, uh, just to give you uh, scripture uh, for what I'm telling you, Rev- Revelation 17, uh, 15, this is another revelation that John uh, is, is, uh, is receiving, and there's an angel that is laying it out for him and explaining it to him, and the angel says uh, to John, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, 
and languages. Uh, So we have a description from the angel uh, of what the waters are. And here John sees a beast uh, coming up out of the sea. So so this beast is going to come up out of the people, come up out of uh, the nations. And he has uh, seven heads and ten crowns on his Uh, on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous uh, name. So there is on uh, every head uh, written a blasphemous name, right? And he has seven heads, so there's, you know, seven blasphemous names. And we're not given what that is, but we we recognize uh, what it is. If you remember, when Jesus was placed uh, on trial, he was placed on trial for blasphemy. In, uh, in Matthew 26, uh, 64 and 65, uh, he is asked if he is the Christ, if he's the Messiah, and he says that he is, and the high priest rents his robes and, and cries out blasphemy because Jesus has just declared himself to be God to be king of kings, lord of lords, the authority. So we know that this, this beast has got these seven blasphemous names that are proclaiming him, God, greater than Jesus, the real Christ, the Messiah. This is why John refers to this beast as the Antichrist. So this beast that comes up, we recognize is the, is the Antichrist, uh, that this is the, the man of lawlessness uh, that 2 that, uh, Thessalonians uh, talks about. And here we see a beast coming up out of the nations that is going to proclaim himself greater than God. Verse 2 Uh, The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like a bear and a mouth like a lion. Uh, The dragon... And then the dragon comes on the scene, which we, which we remember, right, have, has already been identified as Satan. Now, the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. So now you've got a relationship connection here between the dragon and the beast. So... So the beast is already has blasphemous names, right? And now he's received the power and the authority and the throne of the dragon that we know is Satan. So very quickly we are understanding that this is not someone we want to connect with. This is not someone that we want to that we want to follow, that we want to come into allegiance with, right? He is he has been given by the enemy uh, this power, this throne, and this great authority. Uh, so, so right off the bat here in Scripture, we see that even though he's got seven blasphemous names, that he is not God, that he is not the Christ, right? Because the devil has to give him his power. So the devil's greater than the beast, and we already know that Michael the archangel already threw Satan out of heaven. He's not even greater than Michael. So we see here that he is, that he is a deceiver and a blasphemer, but he is not able to stand up to the blasphemous claims that he makes. Verse 3. On the heads of the beast seemed, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. So here, see, you know, very uh, telling scriptures here about what is uh, to come. This beast is going to come up out of the peoples, and, and he is going to be blasphemous, 
and he has, uh, he has been wounded on his head, and that wound uh, has healed. Uh, so many believe, uh, because of, and, 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 and rightly so, because of some other scriptures here that we'll get into in a little while here in Revelation, but not today, so, so rest, rest easy, in a little while, uh, that, that he actually is killed and that he is resurrected, that he comes back to life, which gives such power to his blasphemous claims. That he makes. He's got this wounded head, but that it's healed. And the whole world is astonished by this. And they follow the beast. So he's not, they're, they're astonished and led astray by the beast. Verse 4, men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. So now we have uh, mankind uh, worshipping the devil worshiping the dragon because he's given authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast, listen to this, and asked who is like the beast who can make war against him. So here in the tribulation, as the, as the beast arises, you know, I think right here, as, as, these, as, as he's leading the people astray, as he's come to life, as, as the world is led astray and astonished, and they are asking, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? This is probably right around the halfway point, the three and a half year point of the tribulation period. So, so you know, what what could have uh, taken place uh, here is that, is that the beast has, because Daniel 9, 27 tells us that he, that he begins by making a treaty uh, with many, but not with everyone, right? So he's got these 10, uh, these ten crowns uh, on his uh, 10 horns. Uh, so, uh, so most believe that you know, there will be like 10 nations of the earth uh, that that uh, that he gains power over of and makes a peace treaty with Israel and then you know probably probably really rises to power because of his uh, because of his coming against the two witnesses in chapter 11 that were that were really causing uh, so much trouble and then when he's wounded to death and raised to life then everybody is completely astonished and amazed by this incredibly deceptive man, and the whole world is led astray. Now, on top of all that, we've already learned that in Revelation 6, that the world is in chaos because, because of the wrath of the one on the throne and the Lamb being poured out upon them. So this sets like a, a perfect storm for this individual to rise to power and make a one world order to where the whole world comes under his influence and under his control. This is going to take place here in, in the tribulation period so that the whole world begins to, so that the world, mankind begins to worship the beast and they declare who is like the beast who can make war against him? Well, I'm telling you, in about three and a half years, someone's going to show up who can make war against the beast, and it's not going to be much of a fight. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is going to return with us, the church, and he's going to put an end to this guy's reign, and probably much too long was it at three and a half years, because 
He is the one who can make war against the beast. But the nations of the world are gravitating to him because they think, who can make war against him? Even the one on the throne and the lamb who we are under their wrath. We don't even think they can make war against the beast. But they'll find out that they can make war against the beast and that they will be victorious. The blasphemous thing here that is taking place is this declaration of who is like the beast. Does that sound familiar to you? This is what the people of God would say of the Lord. In Psalm 113.5, they declared, Who is like our God? Let's read it. Psalm 113.5. Did I give that to you, Scott? Gosh, I can't remember what I do. I did. Yes. Or else he just, because he's awesome, just threw it up there real quick, real quick. The Lord is exalted over the nations, his glory above the heavens, who is like the Lord our God. So here is this declaration by the, by the peoples of the world saying now who is like the beast, but not us. We will not declare that. We declare who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. Who is like him? There is no one like our God. And though the nations will be deceived and led astray by this beast, he is nowhere close to being compared to our God. There is only one that we need to declare who is like our God. There is only, this is their way of exalting the beast, like we just did for the Lord this morning. I exalt thee. They declare that to the beast. Whew. Scary, man. Not me. I exalt him. There is no one like our God. And if you look at this, this is a a, like a, a powerful way here right in Scripture that the Lord reminds us, the readers, the studiers of the Word of God, that there is no one like Him, that this is actually a declaration that is for Him and for Him alone. <coughs> Micah also declares this in Micah 7. I wanted to read this to you. This is so good. <coughs> Micah says this, he says, Who is like, who is a God like you? Then listen to what he says. He reminds us of the blood of the Lamb who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. Those who declare not to the beast, but to our God, who is like the Lord. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Our sins have been pardoned. Our, for, our sins forgiven. Our transgressions wiped away. This is, this is what is done for the remnant that is his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but to delight to show mercy. It's like God's saying right here at the three and a half point, this thing ain't going to last forever. This isn't going to last forever. 
I am, I am a God who doesn't stay angry. I am a God who delights in showing mercy. And all throughout this seven-year tribulation period, if you look, you find the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness and the love of our God. It goes on. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depth of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath. See, we run again in here to the promises of God and the promiser who has promised as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. Right here as we look into the tribulation period, we are reminded of God's faithfulness to his people. And you say, well, that's, he's talking about Jacob and Aaron. Don't you know what Ephesians says? That now because of the blood of Jesus... We are heirs together with Abraham and we are descendants and we are heirs of the promise. Don't you know what, what Galatians says? That we are co-heirs with Christ. He speaks to the people of God here and reminds us that his faithfulness will always be to us as he has promised so it will be performed. Right here in the middle of this, the nations are crying, who is like the beast? And as they do, all we can think about is no, who is like our God? And there is no one like him, and he is for his people, and it is, it is, it is one of his people that you want to be. You want to be one washed in the blood of the lamb. Okay, it goes on here in verse 5. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. So we see here this, this three and a half year period of time again. This would be the, the last three and a half years of the tribulation that he is given authority to do this and he is given a mouth. Scripture just reminding us that this guy is not that bad of a dude that he can do anything on his own. Everything that he's doing he has, he has been given permission to and been given the ability to do it for a period of time because he is not like our God. Our God is God, and there is no other. Who is like our God? He has given this, this time period for 42 months. Uh, I, I, I uh, was talking with Joy uh, this past week, and she was telling me some things, and it, and it triggered some thoughts, and so I went and did some investigating. I thought that this was, this was interesting. I thought that it was uh, cool. Stuff like this just reminds me that God knows, he knows, he knows, and he's just doing everything uh, according to his pattern and according to uh, his plan. You remember I talked about a year being a thousand years and a, and a, a day being a thousand years and a thousand years uh, like a day. And that we are, have entered into the, the seventh millennium from uh, creation. 7,000 years from uh, creation or seven days uh, from creation that we've entered into in this year 2020. It's kind of interesting uh, that the tribulation period is seven years, isn't it? 
A seven-year tribulation period. Well, another interesting thing is that if you start to study out the times that are mentioned in Daniel chapter 9, the beginning of, of, the, of the last days is mentioned by him saying that there are, there are 77s that are going to take place. Right? And, and, and 69 of those are mentioned, and then there's a period of time between the 69th and the 70th seven. That 70th seven is that tribulation period. So, so then the angel Gabriel gives Daniel the starting point of that 77's end of time, time period. And it is, you know, if we're just making round numbers, it is around 500 BC or 3,500 years to the point and 3,500 years after. It is like that time period has been divided in half, just like the tribulation time period has been divided in half into three and a half years. Interesting to me, just shows me our God just is in control, knows what he's up to, knows what he's doing. Now, the beast was given uh, blessed, was given a mouth, verse 5, to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his holy dwelling place, and those who live in heaven. Not me. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Remember, for 42 months, short period of time, long enough though. Was given power and he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. All those whose names, here, here we get this look at the Lamb's book of life and all uh, and all whose names have been written in this book of life, they will not join in in the declaring who is like the beast and who can make war against him. They will not join in in this declaring of, of, uh, of uh, and, and worshiping of the beast as something that is worthy to be worshipped. Now, Verse 9 says this, He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed by the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Now, 
If the rapture has taken place at this time, who are these saints that still remain in the tribulation? Well, I believe that there's going to be a mighty revival that takes place during this seven-year period of time, and you find God making sure that the gospel is still being proclaimed in the tribulation. And there are those that are going to, that are going to cry out to the mountains and the rocks, hide us from the Lord, but there are also those we learned in, in, in Revelation 11 who are going to give God glory and honor. And then we know that there are those 144,000 that God's going to come and seal as his servants and as his witnesses. And remember, the two witnesses that had power and authority to prophesy the word of the Lord for three and a half years, I'm telling you, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have come to Jesus in this time period. They have run to the blood of the Lamb. They are washed and cleansed in the blood. I had this thought. just came to me while we were singing about the blood. Good job, Kristen. just had this thought that maybe, I'm just, I'm just saying maybe, just my opinion, that maybe our names are pinned into the Lamb's book of life by His blood. That His blood is the ink that writes our names in that book. And nothing can wash away the blood of the Lamb, but the blood of the Lamb can wash away everything. I don't know, just a thought, just thought it was cool, came to me while we were singing about the blood, that my name's pinned there by the blood of the Lamb, and that these saints are coming to the Lord, and that they will not embrace the beast, will not worship him, will not, will not, will not cry out to him, but he's given power to make war against them. It's going to be a difficult time for those saints, and many of them will be martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ, but they are going to be rewarded. Telling you, it's, it's, you know, it's 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul says, I recognize that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. They're going to suffer, they're going to be killed, but they will be rewarded with an eternal glory that far outweighs any price that they had to pay in that three and a half year, in that tribulation period of time. And that same verse is true of us as well telling you that anything we may face right now is, is not even worth comparing to our eternal home and the glory that will be revealed and our inheritance that we are to receive. It is worth, it, it, is, it is worth following Paul's advice in Philippians 3 where he said, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. It is worth leaving this world and everything it has behind to run after Jesus. I'm telling you, it is worth it by far. There is nothing this world has that can compare to living for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and living with him for eternity. Verse 11, remember now we've got, we've got, uh, we've got the, the dragon that has appeared as Satan, and now we've got this beast that has appeared. This is the anti-Christ, the lawless one. Verse 11 here, someone else comes out on the scene. This is going to be the false prophet. Maybe you've heard about this, the false prophet of the beast. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke uh, like a dragon. 
He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Whose, and it reminds us again here that the beast's fatal wound had been healed. Whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great miracles, great miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of, of all mankind. So we see how deceptive, deceptive, deceptive these times are going to be because this false prophet has the ability to do miraculous things, even call down fire out of heaven like Elijah did when he was proving that God was God. So he may you know, set up like a, a display like that and say, if you don't believe that the beast is God, I'll call down fire and show you and calls down fire from heaven. So God's showing us all these things that are going to take place so that, so that none of us would be unaware of the schemes and the deceptiveness of our enemy. Verse 14, because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. You see here again, this guy is, is not operating in anything that is his own. He is only operating in what has been given him, proving that he is not that bad a dude, that the bad dude is our Lord and God, our Lord, God, and King. Because of these signs that he has given, this is very important, verse 14, because of the signs that he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. That this is a deceptive man, that these are incredibly deceptive times, and that he deceives the inhabitants of the earth. He, uh, we recognize later in Revelation, is called the false prophet. And we know that there are already many false prophets that have come. And these are deceptive times because everyone, prophet or false prophet, has been given a voice. And I want to remind you of this church. I want to remind you of this, all of you church online, that there are deceptive times that we are in right now and that there are many false prophets who have come and they are deceptive and lead people astray. So we need to be cautious who we listen to. There are many people who proclaim things in crafty, deceitful ways that lead people who don't know astray, but this should not be us. It should not be us. Let me remind you of two things that Jude told us to watch out for when it comes to false prophets, and, and we see it right here. Jude said, you got to watch out for someone who declares that Jesus Christ is not the only sovereign and Lord. So as soon as you hear anyone talking about salvation in any other name or any other way other than Jesus, false prophet, don't listen to them. Everything else they say, you should forget it, leave it behind. It is not correct. It's full of deception. Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. He alone is sovereign and Lord. Anyone claiming anything else, stamp the false prophet stamp on them and let everybody know about it and who that, that they are, who they say they are. Another red flag that Jude gave us is that they would exchange the grace of 
of God. They would change the grace of God into a license for immorality. They'll preach that sin is okay. False prophets will, will declare that, that Jesus is not only sovereign and Lord, yeah, he's good, probably get you to heaven, but there are many ways to get there. And they will say that sin is okay. That the things that scripture says are not are okay, that they're fine because of the grace of God. We can sin. Grace gives us a license. This is false. False prophets will do this. Just a way to help us to recognize because in these times that we live, these are deceptive times and we already have false prophets here and not quite as deceptive as this. Can you imagine if somebody started calling down fire from heaven, how many people would be led astray? Should not be us. It should not be us. If someone calls down fire from heaven and they proclaim someone else to be the Christ who is not, you recognize false prophet. And you may be wondering, how did I miss the rapture? (laughs) Okay, almost done. I'm almost done. We're going to end early today, maybe. Somebody laughed, I think. Verse 15, listen to this. Or where am I? Verse 15. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all those who refused to worship the image to be killed. So in the temple that has been rebuilt, the beast will set up Uh, an image of himself that Jesus speaks of and that Daniel speaks of, the abomination that causes desolation. And the false prophet will have power to give this, this image the power to speak so that the image will speak. You recognize very deceptive times. People are led astray, but not the saints. Not the saints whose, whose name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life by the, you know, maybe the ink being the blood of the Lamb. Not the saints are not going to be led astray by these false prophets. And we, the saints in our day, need not be led astray by false prophets either. Verse 16, he also, this is something you're probably real familiar with, everyone, did you pick that up in verse 15, that everyone that refused to worship the image is killed? Now, Verse 16, he also forced everyone, forced everyone, forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. You've probably heard that number. Uh, 666. It is not a number of the saints. It is not the number of our Lord. It is the number of man. It is the number of the beast. And the beast is going to force everyone to put the mark on their, on their right hand, on their forehead. And if you don't have that mark, you will not be able to do business. You will not be able to purchase or sell. And 
And if you don't have that mark, that means that you will probably refuse to worship the beast and that image and that you will be killed for not having this mark of the beast. And then this says in verse 18 that this thing, this calls for wisdom, that this is a time here for the saints, that they are in need of some wisdom from the Lord. And I'm telling you, that is a relevant scripture for us today, that this is a time today for some wisdom from the Lord. The mark of the beast isn't here yet, but the spirit of Antichrist is and wants to mark and set apart the people that are his. He wants to mark them and set them apart and lead them astray and so that they do everything for him and by him and can't do anything without him. Now, We know uh, here from uh, chapter 14 that anyone who takes this mark, that their name will not be written in the Lamb's book of life, right? So if somehow you end up in this and someone brings the whole world under their order and forces everyone to get a mark to buy and sell, do not get that mark. Anybody else stay away from the number 666? Like I do a lot of like calculations at work on a calculator and like 666 seems to come up a lot. And I always like just change it just a little bit so it's like 667 or something like that. You know, just, I just want to mess with it because I don't like that, that number uh, right there. Uh, but they, they will receive a mark that means that they are of this world, that they are of the beast. Now you see here again, it's, it's the beast is kind of copycatting God. Right, Because we learn from Scripture that God has sealed and marked those who are His. Now I'm almost done, but this is so, this is so cool. You know, we don't want don't to pass this up. Now we, now we remember in Revelation 7 that the, that the Lord sets apart 144,000 that He marks. But the saints are also marked. They are marked as His. In Revelation 9, verse 4, it says that there are these these creatures that come uh, that are uh, given power to torment man uh, on the earth in verse 4. But, verse 4, we we learn this, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So God's People are sealed and these locust scorpion creatures that are going to come up out of the abyss that are going to torment mankind, they cannot mess with God's sealed people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We, the saints, are His. And His is who you want to be. We have been marked by Him. We have been sealed by Him. Again, I think of the blood of the Lamb. Take you back to Exodus chapter 12, where where the Israelites are told to take the blood of the Lamb and they are told to mark the, the door frame of their house at the top and on the sides, right? It's almost like if you were a door, like your hands and your forehead marked with the blood of the lamb, and then when the death angel comes, it will see the blood and pass over you. You see, just like the 
Antichrist beast wants to mark his people. He just got that idea because God has marked his people with the blood of the Lamb. You are sealed with the blood, sealed with the blood, sealed with the blood, washed in the blood so that when, when it comes after you, it's got to pass over you because you have been sealed and marked as a saint of the Lord God Almighty. Sealed with the blood, possibly your name written in the blood, in the book, so that you are established, firm, secure. Nothing can remove us from the love of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, who shed his blood for our sins. You see, there's this, there's this conflict taking place here in Revelation 13. Is it marked with the blood of the Lamb or marked with the number of the beast? Marked with the blood of the Lamb or marked with the number of the beast? Am I of this world or am I of my God? Do I declare unto the things of this world who is like the system of our world? Who I declare unto my God who is like the Lord? And just like they will have a choice in the future, we have a choice today. Do I want to be numbered among the people of this earth? Or do I want to be covered in the blood of the Lamb? Do I want 666, 666? Or do I want the blood of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, marking my life? Whose do I want to be? Now's the time to decide. We learn from Scripture that this is going to require wisdom. I pray today that we have received the wisdom from God, that you have received a wisdom from God that says, I will not bend the knee to this world. And I will not live for its treasures. And I will not be marked by its mark. I am a saint, a child of the King. I'm going to live to bring God glory and honor. I will exalt Him. I will declare who is like my God. I'm not going to exalt the system of this world or anything this world has to offer. I will only exalt the name of the Lord God Almighty. I'm a saint marked in the blood of the Lamb. My name has been written in His book, penned in His blood, and I'm going to live for His glory and for His honor. I have a hard time not just going back here to Revelation chapter 4 and reminding you of the 24 elders that sit on the throne. I guess I'm doing it anyway. The 24 elders that sit on the throne who get down off of their thrones that they've been given in glory and they take the crowns that are their reward for the life that they've lived off of their head and they lay it at the feet of the one who sits on the throne and they bow their knee and they're in heaven. They declare, in just adding what we've talked about this morning, morning in the place. They declare, who is like our God? Who is like our King? Who is like our Savior? Who is like the one who sits on the throne? Even though they've been honored with a throne and with a crown, they lay it all down for His glory and for His honor. And they got the throne and they got the crown because that's how they lived before they ever got there. When they were walking on the paths of this planet, of this earth, they were living for God's glory and for His honor. They were saints marked with the blood of the Lamb. They didn't care about this world, this world's treasures, or this world's system. It was God be exalted. God be glorified. Him be lifted up. And they're in heaven. They're still doing the same thing in these times that we're living in. 
I think we should be reminded that this is not a time to live for the glory of this world. This is a time to be a saint marked with the blood of the Lamb, living for His glory and for His honor. We should declare as Paul did in Philippians 3 that I consider everything this world has as loss, as nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. I ask you this morning, who are you? And whose are you? You want to be marked by this world or do you want to be marked by the blood of the Lamb? Do you want to live to bring God glory and honor or do you want to cry out to some other beast who is like the beast? Not me. Not today, not ever, not this voice. This voice will proclaim the greatness of my God. I will only say who is like my God. I hope you're with me this morning. I hope that you are with me this morning. Let's live for the Lamb, washed in His blood, sealed by Him, to bring Him glory and honor all the days of our life. We will never regret it, not a moment. And we will have the wisdom we need to not be deceived and led astray by the deceptiveness of the times that is only going to get greater. I know that I'm a little crazy. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I am a little bit crazy. I want to live for His glory and for His honor. I want to stir everyone that I can to do the same because I know that's where abundant life is found. Let's be marked in the blood of the Lamb. You can be this morning if you're not. All you've got to do in this day of salvation is cry out to the Lord and He will come and wash you in His blood and seal you with His mark, the blood of the Lamb. And you will enter in to abundant life and eternal life, the best life, living for God's glory and for God's honor. If that's you this morning and you want to pray and just invite Jesus into your heart. I'm going to pray. We'll just bow our heads and we'll just pray and ask Jesus to come into our lives and be Lord of our life. If that's you online this morning, just bow your heads with us and repeat after me. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. Pray from your heart. Cry out to Jesus. Ask him for forgiveness. Make him Lord of your life. You'll never regret it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning we recognize that you are to be exalted. And we declare that from this day forward, our lives will be lived for your glory and for your honor. Wash us in your blood. Seal us so that we're yours. Write our name in your book, pinned with your blood. Come into my heart, Jesus. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I've been praying a prayer last couple of weeks, just asking the Lord for an opportunity to one-on-one -on -one share Christ with someone who doesn't know him. And not only to share it, but, but for them to say yes. And this past week, that prayer was answered. And I was able to share Christ with someone, and they said yes, and gave their heart to Jesus all in, telling you, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than coming to the Lord and seeing someone come to Jesus.
Church, let's be stirred. People need to be marked with the blood of the Lamb. This world only destroys. Let's proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. Let's live for his glory and for his honor. Lives will be changed. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Live to exalt him.